This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 278 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. You can visit them at equestriancollections.com. Enjoy today's tip. I am Glenn Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Well, today we have Dr. Johnson back with us. She's been off for a little while here, but we have her back uh, this week. She was on the Dr- Jumping Radio Show with Chris Stafford, episode number 26. And as you know, Dr. Johnson runs the Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic Clinic that's based in Calabasas, California. And she does some in-depth, great tips for on the veterinary side. And we appreciate her being on the Jumping Radio Show, which is part of the Horse Radio Network, HRN. And as I said, this tip is taken off of episode number 26. You can hear the rest of the show by visiting jumpingradio.com. And I wanted to remind you that Chris will be doing the Jumping Radio Show live for four days. Uh, live anyway in front of a crowd for four days down at the... Uh, World Equestrian Games in the Alltech Experience area. And she'll be right on stage there, right in the middle, so you'll be able to come out and watch her do her show. So that'll be terrific and a lot of fun to do it right there in front of an audience. We'll be back with Dr. Johnson in just a minute, right after these words about the fantastic new shipping program from Equestrian Collections. Equestrian Collections is a true innovator in the retail horse world, and they have done it again, this time with their new shipping program. It's called their Unlimited Shipping Program, and there are two options, and you can choose the one that's best for you. It's simple. Pay only $34.95 one time a year and get unlimited one-way shipping to you from Equestrian Collections. You heard right. Pay only $34.95 once a year for unlimited shipments. The second option is only $15 more. You pay only $49.95 for unlimited two-way shipping. That means even your returns will be covered. That's unlimited shipping both ways for as little as 15 cents a day. Think about it. Even if you ordered every day, you won't pay any more for those shipments. Now that's an innovative company at equestriancollections.com. Well, we have Dr. Jenny Johnson back with us. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks now since we heard about movement and gates, Jenny, and continuing this wonderful series. And we want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, How have you been since we last spoke to you? Oh, excellent, Chris. Enjoying the lovely summer weather out here in California. Good, 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 good. Well, it's uh, heating up a bit over here, as you probably know, with the World Equestrian Games just uh, a few weeks away now. It's actually less than a month uh, well, yeah, just just over a month before we uh, about a month before we welcome the world here to the Kentucky Horse Park. Uh, will you be coming over to uh, take a look at the these elite riders performing? Well, I, I'm hoping to. I'm not sure that I'll be able to get it into my schedule, but certainly I would love to uh, be able to enjoy that uh, event. And you'll hopefully listen to the Horse Radio Network. Of course, we will be uh, broadcasting daily shows here on the Jumping Radio Show from. Uh, from the Kentucky Horse Park. So you'll be able to listen to us, Jenny, Jenny, even if you're not here. Oh, excellent. How about that? (laughs) Well, I know you're a busy woman, so uh, we want to get going here with uh, your uh, next installment in this series, and I believe you're going to be talking about uh, the logistics of uh, the lameness exam this week, are you? Yes, we are. We've been, as we've been continuing on in this series, we've been talking a lot about uh, different elements of the lame horse and different elements of the horse itself uh, and the, 
posture, symmetry, movement, how those all relate uh, to evaluating lameness. And today, we've talked about the lameness exam before, but I want to talk a little bit today specifically about the logistics of the lameness exam, and there's a number of different topics uh, that I'll cover on that um, subject. We'll start off by uh, talking about which gait is the most appropriate. Last week, we talked a lot about the different gaits of the horse, the walk, the trot, the gallop, which are the natural gaits, um, as well as some of the other artificial gaits. Clearly, or not clearly, but I, I think that the best gait or the most useful gait to evaluate a lame horse is the trot. It's essential that the horse be observed at the walk for the reasons we talked about previously, evaluating stride length and footfall. And many times it's easier to evaluate the footfall pattern and characteristics of the stride at the walk. But the trot is, is the most useful gait to determine uh, which leg is the lame limb. Now, we then have to ask ourselves a question, though. Is the lameness that we see in hand at the trot the same lameness that's compromising the performance of the horse either at speed or that, say, for example, causing the horse to refuse at fences? Usually, it is, but not always. And I think that's an important point to remember. There are a number of variables between the horse trotting in hand on a lead shank and the horse performing with a rider. The first most obvious variable is that we have the addition of the weight of the rider. We have the addition of the weight of the rider, the position of the rider. It changes the load of the horse as well as the balance of the horse. The other, another variable that we have would be a difference in surface. Usually during the lameness exam, we're performing the lameness exam on a smooth, uh, hard surface. Uh, but typically, we don't ride our horses on those surfaces. Typically, we'll ride on a softer surface that's more forgiving. And then the other variable is that we have different gates. If we're doing the lameness exam, most of it is done at the trot with some elements of it at the walk. But at, when the horse is performing, we obviously have the walk, the trot, the gallop, the canter, and with our horses, jumping, uh, which is not really considered a gate, but it's a part of the performance. So those are all the variables that can lead to a, a discrepancy between what we see when leading the horse in hand and what we see with the rider uh, on the back. The lameness, during the lameness exam, as I said, we usually perform that on a smooth, hard surface, and that is useful for exacerbating uh, even very subtle lamenesses. But as I said, you know, they perform usually on softer surfaces and other problems may be more apparent on that softer surface. The other thing to be, to be considered is that the horse may have more than one lameness going on. There, one, there may be one lameness that's evident at the trot in hand and another lameness that's evident while the horse is being ridden on a softer surface. And in relation to that, a horse can show one lameness when it's trotted on a straight line and an entirely different one when trotted in a circle. So lameness, I think our listeners will be gathering a sense throughout this series that it's, it's a very complex um, situation, and many there, are, there are many variables that have to be considered in evaluating the lame horse and trying to determine where is the, lame, where is the source of the lameness. So the next thing I want to talk about is the temperament of the horse. During the lameness exam, that's an important element to consider. You have all variations in temperaments of horses from you know, the very uh, relaxed, lackadaisical horse to the very 
you might, you might call a horse full of blood, you know, a stallion that's, you know, full of energy and, and, and life. And, and many times the lameness exam is conducted on horses that may have been laid up for a little while, so they're not in their regular work program. They've been in a stall, and so they're full of energy, and uh, that can make it much more difficult to evaluate the lameness in the horse. The other issue is the weather. Is it a lovely day out, which is what we typically have here in California, but there are many parts, parts of the country where that's not their typical weather, and they may have very cold or windy days, or you know, you may have a cold, windy day here, which is a, quite a surprise to a horse in California. So you know, how does the weather affect the evaluation of the, of the horse and the horse's gait? In many cases, uh, the lameness evaluation and examination will require the use of some sedation. And in some cases, when you use a, a small degree of sedation, the lameness may be more pronounced and therefore easier to diagnose uh, with the mild sedation. And additionally, it may reduce the tendency of the horse to guard the lame leg or to, to protect it. It may allow a little muscle relaxation so that the horse is moving uh, more uh, in a way that's more reflective of the pain that they're feeling. And Sometimes in big, exuberant warm blood, sedation may be essential in order to accurately diagnose the lameness. So the, the use of sedation plays a very uh, important role sometimes in the lameness evaluation. The next thing I want to talk about uh, that's important during the lameness exam is, is leading the horse during the lameness exam. It's, it's critical how the horse is led. It may sound like a very elementary uh, idea, but it really can make a big difference in what the examiner sees during the examination. It's important that the horse is going on a loose lead shank so that the horse can move his head and neck freely. Now, and this, you know, I'll bounce back to the sedation idea. If you have a horse that's very full of energy, clearly you can't jog them down the road on a loose lead shank. So you have to find a balance there. If the horse is not able to be jogged down the, you know, the road or the hard surface, uh, on a loose lead shank, then that may be the time when you have to consider the use of some sedation. The other aspect of this that's important is that the horse needs to jog or trot at a consistent speed, not too fast, not too slow. And it's likely that the horse is going to be jogged a number of times. And it's useful to watch the horse going in both directions, you know, going away from you, coming towards you. It's also useful to watch the horse when they're decelerating, when they're slowing down. And also, very important, when they're turning, when they get to the end of the point where you're jogging them and you turn them to come back, watch that turn. Uh, a lot of times things may not be very evident when they're jogging, but sometimes you can pick up a lot of information when the horse is turning. Now, uh, the next thing on the logistics here of the lameness exam is a little discussion about the, the surface characteristics. As I've already talked about, usually we'll do, that, do the lameness exam on a smooth, flat, hard surface. Usually it's pavement or concrete. It creates maximum con concussion and is useful in exacerbating some of those subtle lamenesses. However, it's important that the results of that jogging on the hard surface are interpreted carefully, as there are many horses that are actively competing uh, successfully and comfortably that will show subtle lamenesses if you jog them on a hard surface. So it's important to be careful in the interpretation there. Um, the foot strike and the gait of a horse may be much different and much improved on a on a firm but a forgiving substance as opposed to the firm uh, hard surface. 
Um, it is important to remember, too, that when you're jogging a horse on a firm, hard surface that it's non-slip. Usually blacktop is better than concrete. Concrete is not a good surface to jog on because it's slippery. And some horses, when they're jogging on, the, on an area that they perceive to be slippery, they lack confidence on those types of surfaces, and they may shorten their stride uh, for protection and not necessarily for lameness. So it's important, again, to assess a little bit of the temperament of the horse as well as the quality of the surface. Uh, another thing to consider when you're jogging a horse on these hard surfaces is a horse with studs or caulks um, on their shoes uh, may appear to have a lameness, and it may be just an induced lameness as a reflection of those studs or caulks altering their gait and not be related to a baseline level of lameness. Now, I would also like our listeners to uh, remember that when they're looking at the gates, they should compare the gates on, on the hard surface to that on a soft surface. And many times that's useful in differentiating uh, between a soft tissue lameness and a bony issue. For example, foot pain in a horse is usually worse when they're jogged on hard ground, whereas a horse that has lameness from soft tissue injuries, such as a suspensory injury, uh, will usually be worse on soft uh, or deep ground. So those are just a number of things to think about that are really sort of the mechanics of the lameness evaluation that are might not always be thought of but can really play an important role in the process of determining where is this horse lame. Is there a lameness? And if so, where is the lameness? And so I, I think important information for our listeners to uh, sort of gather into their bank of information and, and observational skills when they're looking at their horses. Very interesting, Jenny, and I guess one of the most useful tools these days is the video camera that you can record the horse moving in, in, in the natural environment and on different surfaces so that you can really truly assess what is, what is characteristic for that individual horse on any given footing. Yes, that is, that is very true and, and very uh, useful to have video of the horse um, when they're when they're comfortable, and then that's something that you can use to compare when they're when they're not comfortable or, or when they appear to not be comfortable. And also, it can be useful when you're doing diagnostic nerve blocks. The horse can be videotaped prior to the diagnostic nerve block uh, being used, and then after the, the diagnostic nerve block is in place, and having a uh, more more consistent way to evaluate that gait as opposed to just the recollection, which sometimes can be difficult, particularly in horses with uh, very subtle lameness. The, the uh, use of videotape in those cases can be very helpful. And you had mentioned the, uh, in the last uh, episode you were on two weeks ago, Jenny, about um, the gait of, of, of backing up, um, of rein back. Is that a, a diagnostic uh, method for... Um, injuries to the back and the sacrum and stifle in that area, is that useful? Do you, do you back a horse up to assess that? Because uh, I guess if a horse is in a lot of pain, that's going to be difficult for them to do in a straight line. I, I think it's, it's one more observational um, item to, to make note of. I think it it's, can be very useful in horses um, where you may be trying to differentiate a lameness as opposed to a neurologic is, issue. Uh, it's certain lamenesses like shivers or um, string halt can be more pronounced with the backing. It's, it, I don't know that it's pathognomonic or, in other words, a hallmark for a specific type of lameness, but it's uh, an observation that, that 
should get put in the mix with all the other observations. So often, and I'm thinking, you know, how you back a horse up and some horses are, are resistant to that for whatever reason. And that, but that can be caused by pain that when they're resistant, can it not? Yes. And, and and one of the other things I wanted to mention while you were on the show, Jenny, um, I was recently in a diagnostic uh, clinic watching a horse on a treadmill with an overhead camera. And, you know, we've seen them, those cameras used in, to monitor the horse's uh, progress on the on the uh, um, treadmill from different angles, but I'd not seen one from above. And it was very interesting to, to watch how the horse... Could could not maintain, and I don't know the situation with that particular individual horse. Uh, but is that something you've seen before? The overhead camera. It seems to be a very useful uh, perspective. I have not seen that, but I, I certainly sounds like a, a fantastic idea. And there certainly, I'm sure there probably are facilities uh, that would be using that. I know that there are um, video cameras that watch the limb flight uh, as well as the horse from the side. So I would think that that would be a natural. Um, extension to have one from above, and that would be interesting to watch the the symmetry of the horse from above and how um, how the limbs are moving, how the back is moving. I, I think that would be very interesting. It it, it it really was fascinating. Well, all good stuff. There are so many tools now for you vets to use, aren't there? There are, and and <laughs> and that's it's important to to know the availability of those tools, but it's also really important to know that even though we have all of these fancy tools and equipment. The really important, uh, one of the most important aspects of this is your basic physical and clinical examination. You can have all of the tools in the world, but if you don't have your basic clinical examination and the results of that and good, solid observational skills, it's very difficult to interpret the significance of um, some of the information you receive from some of the more fancy imaging devices in particular. I guess you have to establish a baseline. Yes. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. And you'll be back in a couple of weeks. Do you, do you know what uh, is in store for us then? Yes, I think we'll be continuing on talking about uh, lameness. I'm going to be talking about uh, characterizing lamenesses. Well, we thank Jenny and Chris again for bringing those tips to us from the Jumping Radio Show. That was off of episode 26. Also on that episode, you might want to take a listen because there was a very interesting, uh, very interesting discussion about two other things. Uh, one was uh, some common jumping problems that Jessica Jahail helped with. And also she had her first in her Jumping Inspirational People series where she spoke uh, candidly to Frank Chapeau. And you'll probably want to take a look to that, listen to that. It was a very good interview. And don't forget, you can find all of the shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. And you can email me at Glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new tip and another new expert. Until then, stay safe, everyone.